Hey everybody, this is John, co-host of Kindred Spirits. We're heading back into the archives and this time pulling out an Andy Sullivan interview. This, I believe, is our first interview with Andy Sullivan. I think we've talked to her now three times, I'm pretty sure. She is my favorite person to interview on The Washington Spirit, and I've interviewed almost everybody in The Washington Spirit, so that should tell you at least a little something. I don't remember what's particularly great about this episode, but she's very insightful and thoughtful and great, so enjoy it. If you've not listened to it yet, if you have, check it out again. We'll be back next week with another player interview. Hey folks, before we get into our excellent interview with Andy Sullivan of the Washington Spirit, please, please stay to the end of the show. We have information on how you can be entered in a giveaway to win a Washington Spirit jersey. So you'll definitely want to stick to the end of that. And since I know you're listening on Thursday, since you're hearing my voice at the beginning of the show, please, please consider joining our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash Refugees. Our patrons actually got early access to this interview, and that's something we're going to work on a lot more this year is giving our patreon subscribers early access so if you want if you like our show and you want the content first then join our patreon page that's patreon.com slash rfk refugees you can also find more info at our website at rfkrefugees.com in the meantime enjoy the interview Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the RFK Refugees podcast. Ted here, John here, and we are joined by a very, very special guest. She is the captain of the Washington Spirit, uh, Andy Sullivan. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having Absolutely. me. All right, let's get right into it. So, uh, Perfect. you're raised in Lorton. We love, we love a local. You were born in Honolulu, Honolulu hey correct? For me. So you're not, you can't. You're an adopted Virginian uh, slash that, Maryland. That is true. Yeah. Well, well, you, you grandfathered in. We'll, we'll allow that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I moved to Virginia when I was pretty young, like before two. So that's pretty good. I, yeah. I was born in Germany and I moved here at two and I consider myself a Virginian. So we'll just, we're going to sim- similar, uh, similar background. <laughs> so we'll just get started for those of the, for those that don't know your, your background, your story, extremely decorated career at Stanford. Let me just, just knock down a couple of these. 2017 Herman Trophy Award winner, 2017 Pac-12 Midfielder of the Year, 2017 Top Drawer Soccer Player of the Year. Shout out to Travis Clark. 2017 Top Drawer Soccer Best of Luck. There are a lot. There are a whole bunch more. You were a semifinalist or a finalist in other years that wasn't your senior year. Uh, you killed it in college for sure, and uh, you rolled right in. You rolled right into right into the NWSL. But I wanted to talk to you about the fact that you began sort of your professional journey in the Spirit Reserves. Which there isn't, mm. there's, there's not sort of a, a formal pathway that's in place now for a lot of players. It's very rare to have an NWSL player who is playing, starting, the captain who worked their way up because there's not really a pathway. What do you talk, talk about that experience and um, talk about if you think that that development league is a real necessary step for NWSL as it grows and tries to find a pipeline for, for new players? I love that question. That's a really good question. So, um, yeah, I started doing. I think it was Super Y back in the day. You guys remember Super Y League? Um, because the club season didn't run through the summer. Um, and so we started, I started doing that when it was the Freedom. The Freedom had a, a version of it. And it was so fun for me because, you know, the DMV has such a strong women's club game. And so all the local clubs in the area would come and you would just kind of play with people that you normally played against. And I love that. Like, it's my favorite thing about soccer is just being able to play with anyone, um, like pickup style kind of. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, I started doing it back then and just loved it. And I would play up. I would like, it was awesome. And um, getting to play with different players and different coaches. And then I did the same thing with the spirit reserves. Um, and that was cool too. Cause we would train around the team kind of every once in a while, get a little, maybe you'd get to go up for a practice with the full team if they needed some extra players for 11 to 11. Um, and I would get to go watch games and it was, it was incredible. Um, and there are a lot of players. We had one team that was super successful and there are a lot of players who were on that team that played in the NWSL. Um, it's, it's tricky now to say whether that would still be necessary because I feel like the club game has gotten really insane um, with the schedules and the travel. Um, and I don't really know if that's, I'm, I'm kind of opinionated on this. I don't really know if it's beneficial. I feel like it's just more expensive right. um, because I think like you travel far away to play a local team or you travel far away to play a team where there might be a better team around the corner. Um, but yeah, that, that's my short, short answer. But I love playing for the Spirit Reserve. Super fun to just get more opportunities to play and play with strangers. And I think that is something that was huge for my development. So I feel like that's something that's needed more is less, less playing and training in restricted environments because super, the summer league was just like, oh, this is for fun. You know, it's for your fun and for development and to meet new people and just play and share the love of the game. And I think we need a little bit more of that, especially in the youth game. I would I would hundred percent agree with that. Um, you came in as a rookie in in two thousand eighteen, um, and I, I'm not sure you were expecting. Maybe I, I mean there's a lot of turnover when it comes to 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 all teams. I think in American soccer, um, but now like three years later, you're like one of the more veteran presence presences. Ugh, I can't speak today. <laughs> uh, one of the more a more veteran presence on the team. You've, you're one of the longest serving uh, players who's been with the Spirit. Uh, can you talk a little bit? Does that sort of change how you're kind of going into the season versus you know, you know, in 2018, you're probably just trying to figure out where your locker is, uh, <laughs> where everything is. So, <laughs> yeah, I think um, I definitely hold a higher expectation of myself in the league this year. Although I did had a held a high one for myself as a rookie too. I I played a lot and I really wanted to do well. Um, I feel like my role and personality has actually kind of stayed the same. Um, I'm just trying to see how I can help the younger players. And like, even if it's just like an inch every day. And it's funny because when I say younger players, I feel like I'm their age, but you guys are pointing out I'm it's my fourth it ha- year in the league. Veteran so status, really <laughs> veteran status comes quickly in professional yeah, sports, as you know. So, um, but yeah, you're, I think you're right. There's definitely a lot of turnover. Um, and it, you know, it's hard also with like 2020 season kind of being four games for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I always, I feel like my focus has been consistent throughout the years of just wanting to like show up every day and improve and be my best self. And now the added layer as like a quote unquote veteran is just to see how I can challenge others to do the same. So uh, you, you, t- you tore your ACL in 2016, you tore your meniscus last year. Talk about what was the, what was the rehab experience differently? I know the recovery time is obviously a lot longer for an ACL, but as far as the, the day-to-day grind and sort of how you were feeling physically as you were going through it, compare and contrast for us. Yes. Very different. I'm very glad that I did the ACL first and the meniscus second, because I, 
it made the meniscus seem a lot easier. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did my ACL my junior year. I had surgery pretty quickly um, in both, I guess in both cases, had surgery pretty quickly with pretty awesome surgeons. So that was huge. And then I had great PT setup. So in, in college, um, I would go to PT Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'd go to the gym Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday with my strength coach. So I was very regimented um, and that was awesome. And then when I did my meniscus this or last summer, um, I went to Sacramento. My, my husband was playing for Sacramento Republic. Um, and so I did rehab with their PT partner called results. And that was incredible. They took really good care of me. So I was doing the same thing almost. Whereas, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday with the PT Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday with their strength coach. And, um, Yes, it's definitely a grind, especially because I think you're used to working that hard normally, but there's the reward of playing, whereas there's no reward of playing. And um, it's great going in every day because then you get so, you get better faster, obviously, but at the same time, the difference between Monday and Tuesday seems so small. But then when you zoom out, the difference between, you know, Monday and the next Monday is so much greater because you went in every day. So, um, there's, there's so much to, I could talk about the ACL one forever. The meniscus one was a lot easier than I expected. The hardest part is when you're like cleared to do everything, but you can't just jump in right. and you have to like control your load. So I, <laughs> I think that was much more difficult for me the second time around. Um, like not getting in fights, but getting in fights with, you know, our, our sports performance coach, um, because I was always, you know, trying to do more and he was protecting me and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, definitely tough and definitely like not a linear progression because there are some days where you feel like you would be doing great. And then it's just like emotional, honestly, because there's no, like I said, there's no release of playing. Sometimes it feels really far off. Um, yeah, it's a lot, but I, I really, I think I've appreciated both experiences for the perspective that they've provided me on in terms of what's important. And I always try to say like, oh, well, I get to like rebuild from scratch and I'm going to come back better than, than I was. So, um, you know, they happen for a reason. You come back better. It's all good. You, you kind of faked us out. I, I, I kind of remember your injury as it happened. I think you, you walked off sort of casually like, I'm good, and that a meniscus can do that, right? Because it's not that it's not a suddenly jarring, destabilizing injury. It's sort of like maybe it's maybe it's clicking, or you've got a catch in your knee as you're moving it. Um, also, really, unfo- I mean, I, you don't have to tell you this, but really unfortunate timing. Spirit were cresting right into that tournament. Rose goes. Rose has a minutes restriction. Unfortunately, in the last game she plays for the Spirit for a national team game that never comes. <laughs> really unfortunate, but like. Just, just really bad timing. It was. Uh, I'm sure that that you never want to be injured, but I feel like you gotta, you gotta. It's gotta be even worse when you know there aren't a lot of games here. This yeah. is an opportunity to win a to win a, a trophy. It's just bad timing. It was tough. I so the funny thing about what you said about like it, uh, the fake out. So I had. I think the meniscus injury was coming. Like I think it was gradually tearing and tearing, and then it finally snapped because. Um, when we were preparing for the challenge cup, we were at, you know, a random field because the Maryland soccer plex wasn't open. Um, and I took a weird step and it kind of like clicked and it hurt really bad and I was in pain, but then I stood up and it clicked back. So I was like, okay. And you know, everything checked out fine. 
probably wasn't a good sign. I probably should have gotten it taken care of then. But, um, you know, I, I was state, like you said, I was stable. I was, I was playing, you know, I was playing and I was playing a lot. So I felt pretty good. But then, um, when I did it in the challenge cup, it, it clicked and I, I was, it was uncomfortable. And I just was like, it just needs to click back. It just needs to click back. And the longer it went, I was like, oh, it's not going to click back. Like it's stuck. Like I couldn't right. move. <laughs> you keep, keep bending your knee over and over yeah. again and hope it clicks. Yeah, I've, I've been there. I had like, the, you know, I had a very minimal range of motion. It was pretty uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, and it was playing with Rose is so much fun. And I love playing with Rose. So I, um, it's, I, it's sad to think about um, that. I mean, we'll ho I'm hoping we'll, we'll play together more in the future. Um, in the with the national team or if somehow our, our paths cross, you know, on another team in the future, I would love that because she's just a joy to play with and, and we have a lot of fun together on and off the field. So sort of a fun question based on your rehab in Sacramento. I have a feeling that our that my diet and the diet of a professional athlete are not the same. However, having lived in Sacramento for a couple of years, what was your favorite place to eat? And did you have the meatball mafia sandwich from Roxy's at any point? Because if not um, you should. I did not have the meatball sandwich from Moxie's at any point. Maybe I should have. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I didn't, honestly, we are pretty hermit status. Um, so I'm trying to think of the local spots that we would go to. Oh my gosh. I know the answer. Um, uh, what's it called? Oh, Black Bear Diner. Have you guys yeah. heard of that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not only a Sacramento place, mm -hmm. but I love breakfast and they giant big stack pork. of pancakes right also don't they do yes. that too yeah yes I, so super good i've um, been looking to turn this awesome. podcast into a sacramento foods like spinoff potentially uh, we could talk another time i'm sure i'm yeah. sure drew has a lot of he, yeah. he's been there a little bit longer but well, we can we can touch base we, i don't want right. i don't want to take up the whole interview <laughs> with food recommendations go ahead ted yeah, I was just. I, I, I'm pretty sure Richie Burke is happy to happy to hear maybe the meatball moxie wasn't uh, the favorite. I have no idea what it is. Off but. season, it's we'll talk about it. <laughs> but I, I do want to ask because uh, you're you know as being one of the veteran players, you came in under that that coaching change uh, from from uh, you know I can't even remember who the last coach was, um, but I knew no Richie Burke was the new coach coming in. Uh, what, what, you know, he definitely brings, uh, his own, uh, personality, uh, to the game <laughs> yeah. to say the least. What, what, what was that change sort of like? Um, and you know, he also named you captain. So talk a little bit about what that, what that was like as well. Yeah, that was very surprising to me at that point because I was only second year player and I did not know Richie at all, um, before the season. Um, I was a little bit more familiar with like you know, Steve Baldwin, the owner, and uh, Larry Best, our, our GM. Um, so it came as kind of a surprise to me, but he, I'm, I missed the first like week or so of preseason because I was um, with the national team. And then I came in, I had been there for like a day. And my first session with him was, he's so bubbly and so like wanted to get to know me really quick, but then we're, you know, buzzing around training. Um, and like the first session we were doing kind of something small sided and he just like, he kept hounding me about shooting and it was needing me needing to be more assertive pretty much. And so I, I played a ball and he kind of got on me, like you need to shoot there. And then I played a ball again or, or no, then I, I shot and I shanked it and then I shot and it was better. And then I shot and I scored. And I just remember feeling like, Oh, this is going to be really good for me. Like 
I needed someone to kind of get on me and push me and challenge me and make me question my game. Um, so I feel like from day one, he and I really just hit it off on a good foot because um, also he's super communicative and I really appreciate that. He values um, my and other players' opinions. I think that's really awesome to have a, a coach that um, you can talk to and communicate with. And um, he also can be very intense and very scary and you don't really want to go talk to him. Um, so it's, it's funny. Um, I, I really enjoy playing for him. I think he's helped me a lot and um, it's been a good time. So uh, now that you've been the team captain, what, what do you think that role sort of means to you? What does that, what does that mean? You know, how you carry yourself on the field in practice. Um, I think you've talked about helping younger players, uh, but what, what does that role kind of mean uh, to have it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously a, a tremendous honor because um, it's something that not a lot of people get get the chance to do so i'm i'm very um like on yeah like i said honored to to be considered in that role um for me i feel like i don't put too much um i don't think about it too much if that makes sense i just try to act as i would no matter what and i don't feel like i change my behavior whether i had the armband or not i just um I kind of referenced it earlier. Like I just want to show up every day and be my best and make the team better and make the team win. So whatever capacity, whatever role I need to fill to do that, I'll do that. And if, if I'm the right role to be the captain for the team, great. And if I'm not great, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. So um, I should, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter to me. That sounds bad, but I hope you guys know what, I, what I'm trying to say. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned playing with Rose again on the national team. This is a question I, that always comes up whenever I think about uh, the U.S. women's national team. How challenging is it to stay in the frame of the most competitive and best team in the world? Um, does it place extra pressure on you during your club season? I think every player, they know they're being watched. They know that on a week-to-week basis, how their levels go and drop and, 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 and peak matter to coaches as far as call-ups. But how much does that, like, on a... You know, you're thinking about this week, you know, got a game, got a game plan, watching video, prepare, but also there's a call, there's a call up window coming up here. And I want to make sure that I put my best foot forward. How is that? How, what's it like to balance those two things, but particularly when the, it's the competition is so incredibly high. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously been, it's been difficult for me to say in the fold, everyone knows that I've, I've been in and out whether due to injuries or due to, you know, my own performance. Um, and it's tough. And I think the cool thing about it though, is almost every, I would not want, not almost everyone, every single national team player has had that spell. Mm -hmm. So I think people look at the players who are there now and think like, Oh, they've been there forever. They've always, you know, they've been the star player for so long, but their journey was in and out or on the bench, you know, not making rosters, things like that. So I think, um, the players that make it for a long period of time have so much, confidence um and through trial and error and they just have so much belief in themselves so i'm hoping to be that someday um and be a little bit more of a mainstay but i've got a lot of work to do to to get there um but the competition is next level and it's we we were talking about this the last camp i was in it's just like it's impossible to replicate Mm -hmm. no matter how hard you train no matter what you do at home um there's no environment like it so it's really, it's really incredible. And it's incredible to be a part of. Um, I feel like you, Oh, how much you asked about like prep 
Um, yeah, I think it was really cool during the Challenge Cup um, to manage both of those things because um, in in some ways, every team, every NWCL team has their own playing style and, you know, maybe you're playing a certain position or certain role and then the national team has its own playing style. So to get feedback on my performance from, say, Richie versus getting feedback from Black Co., they might have been different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of fun to figure out what you need to do. But I, I can see how you how you could think it would get in people's heads. And I think it definitely does. And I think it has my rookie year, I think was, was tough for that because I wasn't getting called in. So I was really desperate to prove myself and it just wasn't, it was not a healthy cycle. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, that's a good question. When those demands are different as a club player, how do you reconcile that? Do you talk to the coach to say, I understand what you need from me is to be much more solid in defense. And I'm not, yeah. we're not, I'm not linking, I'm not going box to box. However, like, you know, also that playing for the national team is very important to me <laughs> and yeah. they're looking for something different. Like how, how can I showcase that, that skill set in a way that helps the team, but also help. I just feel like that's, those are, that's like a, you know, a round peg in a square hole. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> It's not quite as as uh, opposite shapes as you as you think because um, well one like I mentioned earlier like I have super open communication with Richie so let's say I talk to Blacko about something Blacko's probably already talked to Richie about it too they they have a good relationship as well um, and I so I could go to Richie and talk about things and it's more just like how I see the game and like general themes um, but I think with the tweaks, it's more of like details. And so with like, okay, in this situation, you played it safe. And like, I know sometimes like you're the one for your team who plays, plays it safe and like establishes a rhythm, but what if you did this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't necessarily feel like, oh, you have to do this or it's nothing. It's always like, can you recognize these things? It's more like questions to get you to reevaluate your choices and give you ideas in the game at least at least that's how i see it um and maybe that's how i help manage those those two things it's like but, a philosophy uh, professor it sounds like it's it's not <laughs> it's much more discreet it's less discreet fact and more like i want to see how your brain wraps around this issue rather than, that's kind of neat go ahead ted yeah um i just wanted to ask uh, a lot of a lot of players uh a lot of players are, are making the the jump over to Europe across the pond, as they say. Um, is that something that, you know, you've thought about or something that interests you maybe down the road? Um, obviously, we want to see you here as long as possible. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that thought, ha- I imagine that thought has crossed your mind. So I, where do you see, do you see that being a possibility? Um, That's a good question. I, to be upfront, I love it here. And um, I'm very happy to be home. So I, I don't see myself going across the pond anytime soon. Um, But it's definitely something in the back of my mind because, you know, that picture could, could always change um, based on what's going on here, what's going on there. What's, what do I need to do to improve? Um, And also I think it is something that I would like to do in my playing career, just because I think it's a cool way to experience other parts of the world to, you know, to get to work and live somewhere else, not just visit for a week. Um, and yeah, to like going back to the philosophy stuff, you know, just change how you, how you think about the game and also how you see the world and 
I, I would love to get to, to, you know, travel to other places and, and play different styles and yeah, live in a different place. So um, it's, I would say it's more in the back of my mind than the front, but it's, it's always a possibility. And the short loans are perfect for it. It's almost like doing <laughs> a, like a semester study abroad situation. Rather yeah. than, I, I mean, I like, again, I, I reiterate from Ted, I don't want you to leave, but if you were, those, <laughs> those short ones seem to work out well for everybody. Um, yeah. So let's, let's turn back to the, to the spirit. Um, the spirit are going to be playing most or all of their games at Segra this year, depending on, you know, uh, how many people are allowed into Audi field. You're going to have your own training facility in Loudoun, uh, towards the end of the summer. What does that mean to the players to have your own new dedicated training facility, uh, and a path to playing more consistently in front of larger crowds? I know that the game at Audi field was a financial success for the team. You also got to play in fr- I- I'm not sure if you were, were you in camp for the for the Orlando? No, I was there for both games at Audi. Thank goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, like, what what does that what does that do to having experienced it? What is it like knowing that that's the future? Like, that's just what it's going to yeah. be like. Like, that's going to be the norm. Right. It, it's awesome. Um, and it's it's especially cool because, like we said earlier, like I'm from this area, and you know, I went to games at RFK for DC United, and I went to you know games at the at the Plex for the, you know, the freedom and the spirit and like to see now I'm on the other side of that, where I'm on the field and there are tons of people watching me. I, it just kind of, it makes me like emotional and makes me feel like full circle. So, um, I, so it means a lot to me personally playing in front of the big crowds, playing in the city. Um, because I hope, I mean, I don't know if you guys were at the games, but they were incredible. The, The fans were awesome so into it they had a blast and we fed off that energy and people kept asking like i hope you you i hope you play more games here soon and when are you going to play more games you're like i don't i don't make those decisions i just (laughs) play (laughs) who knows you know i just show up when they tell me to but um it's in a way it's awesome because it's like the demand is there but in the way it's sad because (laughs) we haven't capitalized on it um but i'm i'm definitely hopeful and optimistic for the future um and yeah, it was, it was so much fun. And in terms of having our own training facility, it's definitely a step in the right direction and a necessary step. It's been tough. I mean, the, the soccer plex was incredible. The fields were awesome and they took really good care of us. Um, but it's, it's exciting to have a, hopefully a place soon that we call our own and that we are not really like nomads right. in, um, especially, you know, through COVID and then moving um, from the Plex, it's been a little bit, we've had to be very patient and very flexible, which is difficult, but um, definitely test our willpower, I think in a positive way. So we're very much looking forward to having a home base and one that is a pipeline to the city. I assume it's going to be hard for you to come up with reasons to miss Drew's home game since it's at your, you guys share an office. <laughs> Unless I'm on the road. Right, right. That'll be the, that'll be the one. Otherwise it'll be like, honey, that's uh... a, yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? Leave it for work at the same right, time. <laughs> right, right. Commute together. That's great. Yeah. Um, so I think this one is very timely. A lot of people that have been paying attention uh, to this, to the sort of the larger media landscape around the spirit in the last couple of weeks, the spirit have added a lot of new names to the ownership group. Uh, it sounds like their level of involvement will be sort of varied and utilizing their personal connections and their professional competencies instead of just being like, here's money. I'm not going to be involved. I'm not going to give you my time. This is just a financial investment for me. 
what does it mean for you to be part of a club that has these outsized ambitions and making this progress in DC where you grew up and also sort of seeing how the rest of the league is, is growing in exactly the same way at the same time. So you're, you're, you're right in the middle of, of the, of the peak of women's soccer as from a, from a club perspective, you know, probably ever. What's that like? Yeah, it's definitely good to put, put that in perspective. Like you said, like I've seen other professional leagues fold after seasons and me see the potential of maybe getting to be a pro and then that being taken away. So for the NWSL to be, you know, running a historic length at historic performances is awesome. And I think um, the investor group is incredible. We're super excited. And again, COVID has put a wrinkle in things. Like we'd love to get to meet them in person. And I think that's something that we'll do in the future when it's safe to do so. Um, but yeah, they, it's like they cover so many different topics and um will be invested in the club not like you said not just financially but with their time and their expertise and I think that's something that's very important to the players because we I think also like women athletes are kind of known for being like multi-dimensional and I think it's because we've we've had mm -hmm. to be um because the sustainability has always been a question mark so there's always you know you have one foot on the field and and one foot maybe on you're starting a business, you're, you know, going to school, you're working, whatever. Um, so hopefully it's shifting away from that. But at the same time, it's also not because we have these investors who are going to provide us tremendous insight um, and that we can do both and keep, keep growing on the field and in our futures post-soccer. So it's just really exciting. And I think it's um, incredible initiative from our owners, um, Steve, Michelle and Bill, um, they just think differently. And that's been really cool to watch, especially with Steve, him coming in and making such a big difference and trying to flip things on its head. And it's very refreshing and it's necessary and it's working. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just the direction that, that the whole soccer world is going. Your LinkedIn is about to get a lot better. I feel <laughs> I'll, I'll just, just run down the line, connect to all. I feel like that's <laughs> the way to go. I would do that. Um, with, with hopefully a full season ahead of us, um, we've got the tournament coming up to start the season but then hopefully a full run of games. You don't have to worry about trying to jam a full season into eight, four or the fall series that I feel like the power balance in the league has continued to shift. I think that, you know, this show has only really started to, you know, through our fault. We, I think we've been a show for three seasons. Ted is this will be our third season coming up. Yeah. So last year was the first one we were very focused on getting involved. And of course, <laughs> COVID put a big kick into that. But um, anyway, the league, the league continues to change. And, uh, North Carolina no longer, to me at least, seems like the on the unbeatable behemoth that we just say, who's going to come in second, and who who gets yeah. to play them in the first round. Um, but also players continuing to go on loan, some some players moving permanently. Does the league feel to you more wide open than it did in the past? And because of that, like, what are you what are your expectations of the spirit? I'm sure every time we interview a player, if they don't say, you know, I expect to I expect to win the championship, we we figure something is weird, but. I assume you think that as well, but, uh, you know, both for you particularly, but, uh, the team in, in this new sort of, uh, not decentralized, but not so super top heavy league, where do you think the spirit are going to land? Yeah, definitely. I'm going to say, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going first and, uh, I expect that from us. We're looking really good and putting a lot of good work to, to get there. So I'm excited about that. But, um, I think that's, what's unique about the league is even in years past when there was a big record discrepancy between, you know, team one, North Carolina, and, you know, team seven, eight, nine, 
um, that those games were always close and they were intense. And I don't think that's it. And, and now it's, it always feels like any team can win any given day and it's truly incredible. And I think that now it feels like any team can finish in any place. And I think that just speaks to the league in so many different ways and especially of the resiliency of the players. That's, that's what I think. And um, the investment into teams um, across the board. So it's exciting. I do think there's going to be, you know, a shakeup and there's been a lot of player movement too outside of that. Mm -hmm. So I think, every year you have to kind of, you, you think someone's on a certain team and you forget that, you know, they were traded or, you know, loaned or something like that. Or a so, team moved to a different state on the other side yeah. of the, <laughs> that's always possible. <laughs> that too, that too. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's definitely looking forward to, um, I mean, it's called Challenge Cup, you know, it's totally different, totally different situation, but definitely look, just looking forward to some games, looking forward to seeing everybody play and um, sizing up the competition. And uh, I'm glad you brought up sort of the, the the fact that the Challenge Cup is going to be again this year. I think that was kind of I feel like NWSL was like maybe the one sports league that actually like despite everything in 2020 they they grew uh, tremendously. Um, and I think the Challenge Cup was a part of that. What, what do you what do you think about you know you experienced you know unfortunately you did get hurt but you did get to sort of experience that whole uh, that that tournament out in Salt Lake. Um, what do you I guess what, what what are your thoughts on sort of the idea of this continuing? You know, are you excited about it? Um, is it something different that you know not a lot of other leagues are doing? What what, what were your thoughts when you found out? Oh, you know, we're going to be doing this this tournament style sort of you know in the future. And do there need to be a playground also or a slide <laughs> wherever you're going to play? I think that's just a regular feature now. I think we just need to include it. Yeah, we had we had one at our fall series games. You guys yeah. see that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, to keep the tradition alive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this answer, but <laughs> I, I feel like I am a little opinionated on this and um, that I, okay. I think the challenge cup last year was an incredible opportunity. We were the first, you know, league to go into a bubble and we didn't really know we were going into, and it, it turned out incredibly well. Um, awesome for viewership and, you know, just to, return to play and get, get the season. And I think that was a really good decision. Um, I feel that the thing that people liked about the challenge cup was the elimination rounds, you know, it's okay. Where are you going to stack up? Yep. And then it's elimination. So you have to play every single game. We were playing our minds out because it mattered where you ended up in standings. And then it mattered, you know, who you played in knockout rounds and you're trying to make as far as you could. And so to do that off right at the beginning of the season or right after a pan, you know, the start of the pandemic when you didn't have access to the training that you normally have was definitely injury risk and injury prone. So, and I'm not just saying that because my own experience, like my injury was probably going to happen at some point anyway, but other people had a lot of other injuries that would probably not have manifested themselves had we had like a normal precedent season and a normal year. Um, so I think to start off the season with something that's supposed to be like elimination based and champion, like a trophy, it's a piece of hardware, which everyone wants is risky. And I, I don't really see the point of it, um, which sounds bad, but I, I feel like when you say like, oh, we like the elimination rounds. I'm like, that's what postseason is mm-hmm. for. Like that's what we play all season for so we can get to the playoffs. Um, so I think it's a little 
you know, redundant in that, in that front and to put players and teams in that decision of trying to win something right at the get-go is, is risky. Um, and I will see how it plays out. Um, like I said, I think, I don't think there's even a schedule out, but I think the format will be, will be different. Um, so maybe it won't feel that way. And I think maybe it works out too, because, you know, potentially the Olympics in the summer. So I get breaking it up in that sense. Um, but when I found out about it, I thought, why are we doing this? <laughs> um, and I felt like if you want to do like a, a tournament, you know, on not that we have to always mirror the men's side, but like do something like the Open yep. Cup that's throughout the season or, you know, like FA Cup. Like there's always other cups that you can do, but they're not a giant event right at the beginning of your preseason and if you want other teams like do preseason tournaments like that used to be a thing so um I think we're experimenting with it that's I don't know if other people feel that way but that's that's how I felt when I heard about it so, so sorry if I get in trouble over this answer maybe we'll have to cut this part sorry, out league but... office I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like they I you know from the outside it feels like their their hands were tied it did so well for them but I think the conditions for why it did so well are somewhat out of their hands. Like the, yeah. you guys were the only game in town. You were the first game in town and the play and the level of play was like you said, even though it was the beginning of the season, surprisingly it, 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 it ramped up. It started off a little rough, but then it got going as you got into the knockout rounds. It was, it was top tier. Um, yeah. But this season there are going to be a lot of other options on television. There's other, mm-hmm. there's other soccer that's going on internationally. So it's a little bit different. And I think I was going to bring up the open cup. <laughs> I think something like that would would be awesome, but in the men's game right now, I think I think they have Concacaf Champions League quarterfinals before the league starts. Ten games, ten games. So same thing, running into the league, but then having yeah. what is conceivably, supposedly, a, a high level prize in a knockout situation. How are we gonna? How are they gonna perform? Why does the U.S. never win Concacaf Champions League? I don't. I don't know. Could be connected. I think that's you just kind of hit the nail on the head with like if it's supposed to be something that's very prestigious and you know impactful, why are we throwing it in somewhere where it doesn't belong? Um, but happy to be here, right? Yeah. We're happy, yeah, we're happy yeah. to show I, up. I just I show up when they tell me to. I am very excited to play, and I'm very excited for people to watch us. And I think like regardless of other things being on TV, I still think like people are going to are pumped about the league coming back sure. and they're going to be tuning in. So I'm, I'm very, very excited about that. Um, and also, yeah, I'm, that's not my, my job. I'm my job is to play. Yep. And uh, it's probably a good thing that I do not um, run the league. Cause I would not be having the creative ideas to, to do those things in general. And I could also be totally wrong. Like it, <laughs> this whole challenge cup could be a great future yep. thing. I was very skeptical of the first one, but again, I, I wanted to play and it, it went awesome. So We'll see. Well, Richie, I was, say, go, I was gonna say Richie seems to Richie seems to share a little bit your feelings about we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna walk into this tournament. We're not gonna we're not gonna sprint having the same eleven every game because we have a long yeah. season ahead. So yeah. I think he I think you guys are on I think you guys are on similar wavelengths on that. <laughs> and I, I would I would love it. I, I am a huge Open Cup 
fan when it comes on the men's side. I would love to watch. I would eat up a uh, open cup on the women's side as well. So yeah. if, if, I hope maybe it can evolve into that. That would be great. Yeah. I, think. So. I mean, we we would need some more teams. I bet you the pyramid has to grow a little bit. I think. Yeah. But but, but we're, we're we're brainstorming. It's good. It's good. So we've got two questions from from the fans. We want to before we close again. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, so so long that the sun the sun went away during the halfway during our interview. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I snuck away to turn the <laughs> it's light. That's all right. It's all right. That's just that's just that a, before, but... a gift of your time. I appreciate it. Um, uh, someone you may know, Gretchen Ham, uh, asked what your favorite memory was at the Plex. Uh, you know, now that you've we've permanently relocated to the Virginia side of the of the line. Yeah, it makes me kind of like sad and, and nostalgic because I, I do love the Plex. And, you know, that was like my home club field for a while when I was playing for Bethesda. Um, it was quite the drive. <laughs> but, um, wow, favorite memory. Um, was it all of the weather delays? Oh, God. I assume I that was part of it. <laughs> for years. The worst, the worst. The Plex is like, I've said this before, it's like a, the weather around it is just such an anomaly. Hopefully Loudon does not have the same sort of uh, weather, weather magnet. Gosh, I hope, I not. hope not. But um, <laughs> those, those could be entertaining, but also awful. Um, I think our win against North Carolina um, is pretty epic in my mind. And it was, it was so fun. Um, well, actually, honestly, the first half we played, absolutely terribly and we're getting destroyed and then to come back and and beat them at home was really special and the crowd was super into it it was packed um i think rose had the game winner um so that that one's pretty special and earlier that year um my other one would be we beat portland at home i think it was three nothing or three i think it might have been three one and that was a special one too it was kind of like right when all the world cup players left um and portland was still a big threat and i think people were like had question marks about us and i think that one was a special win for for the young group too so those are two memories that i really enjoyed and uh, we've got one more question from uh at d uh d reyes Siron. how surreal did it feel for you to star in a photo shoot and video with your husband from both teams uh and also all of the uh United jersey shoot you had to do in the snow so there, you were just really getting a whole the weather was cooperating with your with your media opportunities <laughs> um yeah i i'm gonna be honest like photo shoots are not my favorite thing to do they're not my strength um but they're very necessary and i'm, I'm trying to work on getting better but um <laughs> so I, I was really like nervous to do the the photo shoot with drew just because um I, th- I don't know. I just kind of wanted to like respect his, it's like his, it was his, his know, announcement. It was his player yeah. announcement, yeah. right? And so that's what I asked him. I was like, are you sure you want me to be involved? Cause like, I don't want to insert myself into your career. Like you earned this. This is you. And um, he said, no, that he wanted me there. So I was like, all right, then I- I'll do it. <laughs> um, and I think the snow made it more fun. I think it took some pressure off me because it was like already so lovely out. And um you know, it's just fun. And it's just like, it's funny to, they're like, oh, look at each other, you know, and you're like, uh. <laughs> a, you, you got a free couple shoot out of it. A lot of people yeah. have to pay for that. And it just so happened yeah, to coincide with true. work. So that's not. Fair. I was thinking the only other couple shoot we really other, you know, really did was our, our wedding. So <laughs> it is, it is, I tried to say that to myself, like that was a cool experience. 
and something that, you know, not a lot of people get to do. So it was really fun. Um, I love the photographer who did it, Javi. Um, Javi's great. He's, yeah, he's awesome. So that really helps having worked with him before. And um, it actually it turned out to be really fun. But it, And people loved the photos. It was so funny. Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, like, you know, a bunch of people were reaching out to us because they, they were really happy for us. They knew it was very difficult for us to be apart for a long time. Um, and uh, so people were really excited about it. So that that's always nice when it turns out great. And um, the, the, I was so flattered to be, you know, included in the DC United Jersey reveal. Um, that was really, really cool for me. Like I said, I, I grew up here. I loved going to DC games and I, you know, still follow the team and enjoy watching them. So um, it was cool that they, they thought of me, especially alongside so many other people who um, got to wear the Jersey uh, for the photo shoot. So it was, it was really fun, a really fun day. It turned out great. Um, just very happy to be with Drew and um, for him to be here and, yeah, he's gonna have a great year too. So we're excited. We cover Loudon too, so we're we're excited. Good. We're excited to see. Uh, he, the, we need a little help, so I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> he's coming. I'm glad that'll. It's it's a it's a, it's a the USL season is long, and we yeah. cover we cover you guys. We cover DC United, and last year Loudon was it was it was a struggle. It was it was tough. So this year they're gonna be more competitive. We're gonna be excited mm-hmm. and, and cover them all year long. Um, but yeah, we're very excited. And two, I think it's so cool that since you guys are all not you and Drew, but all three teams are going to be centrally located. Like that sort of cross promotion between the, the teams has got to be happening more often. It's, yeah. it's a no brainer. I, so. I hope so. I like would love to do, you know, double header, all that type of stuff. I think that'd be fun. So we'll see again, not my job. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be, I shouldn't be saying things that are, you know, maybe not my cup of tea. So, but I think, I think it'd be great. And I think um, it's, yeah, it's exciting to, to get to know each other better. I think that makes watching each other more fun too. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it goes well. All right, Andy. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us. I think we went a little over <laughs> the time we had allowed it, but we, we appreciate you coming on and uh, best of luck this season. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Nice to meet you guys. Hopefully chat again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll be right back to uh, wrap up the show. So stick around. Welcome back into the RFU Refugees podcast. Ted here, John here, and we are here to wrap up the interview you just heard with Andy Sullivan. And the reason we're doing the wrap up is because we have a very special giveaway now for you all, uh, courtesy of the Washington Spirit. So we want to thank them uh, for for helping us out and providing us with uh, materials to give out to you guys. So, uh, John, take it away, my friend. So you, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go to rfkrefugees.com slash giveaway. Uh, when you get there, It'll tell you all the things that you can do to win uh, a 2020, I don't think it's a 2021, although they're going to wear it this year also, Washington Spirit jersey to your specifications. Uh, But what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to follow us on Instagram at RFK Refugees, and you're going to want to follow the Washington Spirit uh, on Instagram. Uh, Just follow the the prompts on RFK Refugees slash giveaway, and we are going to do a drawing on Monday, uh, next Monday, to determine the winner, and then we'll announce that uh, on the show on Monday night. 
Yep. And so, yeah, definitely take a, take advantage of that. Try to try to see the win the Jersey and you get to follow us, the podcast and the uh, Washington spirit as well. So I think, I think that's a win-win even if you don't end up being the lucky person to win the Jersey, a plus content or a Jersey. You can't yes. lose. You literally cannot lose. Um, so anyway, we want to thank again to Andy Sullivan, the Washington spirit uh, for coming on the show. Uh, we will see you guys on Monday. Vamos. Vamos. <laughs>